Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Runs Well podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Today we're discussing 10 marathon mistakes and how not to make them in the company of Andy Dixon and Kate Carter. Welcome back to the Runs Well podcast. Hello. Hi. <laughs> it's one of those things I said with a guest, you had to be a sub three marathoner to come on here. So I thought, who could I ask? <laughs> It's Andy and Kate, is here. The Sub 3 Club. <laughs> but yeah, we were thinking of like um, podcast ideas that listeners would be interested in in terms of like, uh, you know, what people are searching for. And obviously the marathon is still the marquee event, I'd say, in our sport. And it is uh, an event that's easy to get wrong, I would say. Um, I think we've probably all been there. I don't think... Do you feel like you've ever run your perfect marathon, Kate? Um, I don't know. I think it... In retrospect, you, you think you have because yeah. I think time, you know, uh, blunts the, the hard edges yeah. and you, you forget the moments that weren't so great. And you think, oh, yeah, that was my PB. It must have been great. But if, no, I don't think so. I'm sure that you've always got a bit more you could learn or give. Or... Yeah, I think so. What about you, Andy? When you ran sub three, was that was that the perfect race, do you think? Or not? Uh, no, it wasn't because I, I had to stop a couple of times yeah. uh, in the second half because I was getting hamstring cramp. So I... Obviously, a perfect race would have been a, a kind of straight through. I would have sailed through those last miles. But, um, I mean, it, it's one of my points, actually, which we'll come back to. I, I did learn. I, it was good. It was a good learning experience, my sub three, um, because I learned that actually um, you can stop. You can stop during a marathon um, and it won't harm your what your goals. Yeah. If you think by stopping and stretching, which is what I did, will actually benefit you um, and outweigh the, 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 the kind of, I don't know, I must have stopped for maybe 45 seconds, maybe yeah. 20, 20 seconds each time to stretch my hamstrings. But if you hadn't, you might have had to stop I think I just would have time. been yeah. gradually slowing and slowing and would have probably just ground to a halt and missed the PB. So actually, it was a calculated risk to stop, but it paid yeah. off. I think I had something similar. I think I stopped two or three times on... Milton Keynes, the home of the marathon. Um, and <laughs> as long as you don't throw in the towel, you can still kind of pull off, you know, a, a good marathon um, time, I think. It's, like, it's, it's just like walking feels like a defeat in a marathon, but it doesn't necessarily have to be as long as you can get going again. I, I thought of another major mistake we've probably all made in marathons, which is to do marathons before super shoes existed. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, yeah. Us. Yeah. I have to go back and, and redo all of my marathons with, with better shoes. I've kind of edited mine down and been like, no, it's, it's more like that now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into this. So number one on the list. So we've divided this between training and race day itself. So five tips for training and five tips for race day. So number one is not practicing your fueling strategy enough in training. Kate, 
Is that something you've done? What would you say on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important because there's sort of several things is like on race day, you're obviously putting your body through more stress. So it's quite hard to completely replicate that on a training run. Um, but there are ways that you can get a little bit closer. So say you're doing, you practice your gel strategy, you think you've got your gels nailed, these ones seem to work well with your stomach, but you've only ever done it on like super like easy long runs where you're running for time, say. But then you might be have a, maybe you'll have a, a run in your program that's like got bits, bits of the run at marathon pace. So that's when you need to like test it test to see what your stomach does at that pace yeah, right. see if you can physically open these packets at that pace <laughs> which is not always easy yeah um uh and yeah sort of try, try it try it under a bit more stress yeah. as well as just sort of yeah okay this seems fine <laughs> yeah i think that's a good point actually almost like yeah doing it on kind of the, the higher speed sessions rather than just a very easy long run mm. it's quite hard it's i think testing obviously testing your kind of gel strategy is is doable on your long runs, I, I found it quite hard to to test my hydration strategy. Okay, yeah, uh, and actually didn't. I mean, I used to do my long runs for the sub three. I was just doing them without water, which you kind of wouldn't really advise, but it was just the the most practical way for me to do them, mm. rather than run with a, a bladder pack or stash yeah. water bottles or do a loops round. So it's actually it was actually quite hard to to test my hydration strategy. But I think testing your fueling is probably more more important for sure yeah no that's true actually even just things like knowing what what the what's on the course and also like two 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 ways a is it cups and ball bottles which you know maybe just practice drinking from but b like if they're giving out gels on the course if it turns out oh well, that's lucky they're they're doing the ones i take brilliant you don't have to carry anything i mean carry you know people take sort of eight gels with them like it's not it's not an insubstantial weight yeah yeah if you yeah, can just not weight, yeah. carry that then yeah. why not yeah, I agree. I went through a phase of it was like a badge of honour not not eating anything on the long run, which was a shame because when it came to the actual marathon, I was like, all right, I need to try and have something every half an hour here. And it was just too much of a shocker for my stomach, I think, to be like... Yeah, because you hadn't sort of trained your stomach. Yeah, That's the exactly. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I almost feel like you should sort of slightly ramp up to it. So like, yeah, sure, you can do probably a... You could do a two-hour run in training with no gels, but what's it actually going to achieve? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, your feet, I mean... Um, I remember someone saying to me once, I forget who, um, you're, you're fueling the recovery as well as the effort. Mm. So if you're thinking of always with your training, you're thinking about the recovery so that you can do the next effort, then you've got to maximise that as well. So like I'd always get to the sort of towards the end, you know, if you're sort of taking it every X minutes, you get towards the end of a long run, you're, well, there's not really much point taking it now because I've only got 25 yeah, minutes yeah, left yeah, and exactly, it kind of yeah, takes 20 yeah. minutes to hit the system and stuff and blah, blah, blah. But actually that's still helping you recover as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, it's about the, re the recovery, um, for sure. Yeah. Right, number two is not trusting the taper. Yeah, I mean, this is a, 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 a classic one. I think the kind of, if your training's gone well and you get to that last two or three week kind of window, you feel very fit and you kind of want to, you want to, you, you, you stop running and you feel kind of antsy and, and itchy and you, there's a temptation to want to prove your fitness as a kind of confidence boost. So, um, but ultimately in the last week or two, it's not having any, you know, doing runs aren't really benefiting your fitness for the race. Um, I remember I, um, I actually bumped into a guy at Expo once and I'd bumped into him on a long run and he was doing everything right. And then I bumped into him at Expo like three days before the marathon. And I was like, yeah, how's it going? You know, are you feeling good? 
And he, he told me that he'd done an, like an eight mile run. This was like the Thursday before um, an, an eight mile run that day and an eight mile run the day before. <laughs> and I was like, well, what does your schedule say? Thinking who's, who's devised this yeah. schedule? And he, he was Dean like, oh, no, he was like, yeah. <laughs> he, he was like, oh no, it's not on the schedule. I just, I'm just feeling good. So I'm just like, I kind of internally, you know, r- rather than kind of upset him, but I, internally I was like slapping my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing running 16 yeah. miles during race week? So yeah, I think um, don't try and prove anything to yourself in that last week. It's all about the kind of resting. And yeah. And also, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but like sometimes you, this, when the when the taper starts to kick in, at first, I actually feel rubbish. I feel really kind of sluggish and like, because my body's like, no, but I'm used to doing this. Why am I not doing this? Why am I not running more today? And then it, and then you start to feel like like that antsy thing. So at that point, you're like, but I feel, ta- you know, maybe this is a bad idea. Um, and uh, yeah, just, I guess also like you were saying about the schedule, just like the plan, you know, you're hopefully following a really good plan, probably one devised by run as well, oh, I'm sure. Um, and, th- and that might well have like a bit of a little almost like a kind of fast twitch test sort of a week or so before. So I think it's quite common, for example, Tom Craggs would, would often suggest a, a 5K sort of park run or something that's like eight days before. And you can run that at your okay. 5K pace because ultimately it is, when you've been training for a marathon, it is only 5K. So in the context of that training, it's not a big load for your body. It can get your legs turning over nice and quick. And that can be a little confidence boost, even though it's not really meaningful. Because it's perfectly possible to get a 5k PB and then not get a good marathon yeah. and vice versa. But that can, if you need to do something like yeah, that, yeah. then like eight days before is okay. That's interesting. I've got a little um, expert tip from Tom Craggs, actually. He says, reduce your running volume, but keep up the frequency, which is, I guess, what you're saying. So if you're running three to four times a week in a normal training week, continue with this, um, the same. The only thing that changes is the time or length of your run to so cut it by 30% in the final two weeks before your race day and 50% in, the, in race weeks. Yeah, so the idea of keeping the frequency and intensity, I think is maybe something some people don't think about yeah. and actually you can you can kind of keep it up but it has to be a lot shorter in volume yeah. yeah yeah um i think you said the next one kate lack of consistency in training yeah i mean i think basically fundamentally when it comes down to it if you want to get better at running the single most important thing that you can do is just be consistent in your running you know just commit to whatever it is you you want to do three three runs a week four runs a week five you know whatever it is if you just keep doing that for your whatever it is, 16-week marathon yeah. training plan, you will see results. Um, and it's not very glamorous and it's not like some kind of, you know, internet hack, but yeah. it's, it's, it's just true, <laughs> yeah. you know. And you can't, you can't kind of, it, it doesn't work if you try to sort of cluster it. Like, well, I haven't done anything for two weeks and so now I'll do two weeks worth of the schedule yeah, this weekend, yeah. <laughs> you know. What do you think gets in the way of consistency? What do you think the enemy of consistency is? Well, I think there's, I mean, life life gets in the way, yeah, doesn't it? We've yeah. all got, you know, busy lives and families and, you know, this time of year, everyone's got winter bugs left, right and centre. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, a lot of these things are not in your control. So obviously, this is an ideal world scenario. But if, yeah, if you're looking at it thinking, oh, but I suppose also there's a lot of marathon training plans where it's it, it's kind of boring in that it just says, oh, 50 minutes easy. Yeah. Everything like all these kind of bread and butter runs. And you're like, well... I don't really get what the point of that is. Mm. I could just skip that. But it's about consistency. It's about building the base. And that is what will, you know, make the biggest difference, yeah. really. And I mean, it's, it's kind of unglamorous everyday runs that actually make a difference, which is yeah. harder sell than maybe like bashing out an interval session and feeling like you're, yeah. you're fit. Yeah, I mean, as Kate says, it's not, 
it's not a, a an exciting concept, is it? It's not, a, <laughs> yeah. it's not the instant results of, uh, that, that people demand these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. If you just keep you keep ticking off the runs as much as possible, if you can get that, you know, ninety ninety five percent of your schedule complete, um, you're you're on the road to, to success. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, number four, not doing enough strength and conditioning. I think it's an area that runners struggle with a little bit maybe from a not quite knowing what they should do how much they should do um what do you think Kate do you think that's a, a- and also I think not seeing like the, the results of doing strength and conditioning are not really very visible are they I mean yeah. like well I mean if you get a great six pack I suppose <laughs> you do loads of it but um but like the point of it for a runner is mostly to avoid injury and to help your form yeah and those are not necessarily things you know avoding an injury is you not don't get on love island be, from that. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you don't go yay i've i've avoided injury for another two weeks you just yeah, curse yeah, yeah. when you get one you yeah, know? yeah yeah um so yeah you it, it's hard um but it is so important mm. um just kind of you know just for those two reasons really yeah um, yeah we had um richard blaygrove came on the podcast recently and he he's he's very good because he's He's like the head of strength and conditioning at Loughborough University. So he knows what he's talking about. But he's also like acknowledges that runners have limited time and they need to, they need to be told some kind of general truths about strength and conditioning. So he was like seven moves that you should do twice a week like with weight. And he said a squat type movement, a hinge hip movement like a deadlift, a stepping movement like a step up, a lunge pattern such as a split squat, a calf raise and two upper body movements like a push and a pull. And that's basically that will get you 90 percent what you need a few plyometrics thrown in and you're and you're there so actually it was quite nice to hear like you could do this twice a week and you're going to get mainly yeah. everything that you need rather than i think there's a lot of stuff online where you if you were if you're thinking that you have to do something every single day yeah. although equally the good thing about strength and conditioning i guess is unlike running you you can sort of split it up and it's still yes. yeah effective yeah like you, you, you sadly can't do an hour's run in five minute bursts yeah, throughout yeah, yeah. the day yeah, yeah. but if you did strength and conditioning that way it'd sort of be a as good yeah you said that. so if yeah, you yeah, did yeah. do i almost feel like sometimes i feel like i'd be better off doing it every single day and i for like 15 for five minutes. ten yeah. minutes yeah. than leaving it twice a week where i just i get to sunday and i'm like oh i've done it twice you know yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah. it's sort of easier that yeah. way yeah. yeah i think people people get put off by the the mm. idea of strength and yeah. conditioning because they think it needs to involve going to the gym or it needs a, a smith machine or a squat rack yeah. when actually a lot of the or all of the moves you just described, you can do with body weight or, you know, with dumbbells. Yeah. Which is not yeah. a, a major kind of cost or you don't need a lot of space. You could do that at home. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just grooving. It's like a lot of things. It's grooving the habit. Um, I, I have to admit, I wasn't brilliant at doing strength and conditioning. So this is a mistake that yeah. I kind of made. <laughs> yeah. Um, but generally in mar- marathons, are a, 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 is it's like, it's a battle a bodily battle yeah i think and it's generally that it's some part of your body that starts to give up on you rather than you're out of breath or you're not fit enough yeah Yeah. Yeah. absolutely for the marathon i think strength and conditioning is is key it's funny though isn't it because like i think some people do maybe like self get away with doing less so it's almost like some people don't maybe necessarily need to get lots stronger to do a marathon where some people it's like if they if they miss a session they'll really know about it in the week do you know what i mean yeah, well, I just think that like the I, I wasn't running a marathon at the time, but the the, the fittest I've ever been really was, <laughs> depressingly, in lockdown yeah. when my gym did um, 
sort of like they started really quickly did a, like a, a zoom classes and they had like five a day and i was like homeschooling so my way of coping with this yeah. staying sane was i basically did all the classes all the time right and i got so like i did so much effect it was all body weight yeah i mean we do have some kettlebells in the garden but like yeah. it was all body weight um and i just did so much of it and my running was like the same as I've always done, really. I didn't yeah. do anything different there. Yeah. But but I was just so much faster. And I think it was like almost you forget that there's like leg strength is, mm. is a thing that actually like I always always notice it more now when I'm running um, that you kind of get to a point in a in a run where it's your you're not out of breath. You're not injured at all, but your legs just are like they just start just feeling. Battered, yeah, they yeah. just feel like they've suddenly got, a, a, you know, a couple of kilos heavier each yeah, yeah, time you step, yeah, yeah. you know. And that is just like muscular strength you can mm. build, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I think it's, yeah, it's an easy thing to um, yeah, because you can think of marathon. Why, why do I need to get strong to run a marathon? That seems like they feel like very different things, don't they? But yeah. um, number five, trying to make up time lost to injury. So sort of cramming in training when you've been injured. What do you think about that, Andy? Well, I suppose it's a natural enough instinct to try, yeah. and if you've got a schedule and you've missed a few sessions, to try and feel like you're fitting them all in for for you know for your kind of confidence yeah yeah um but it's a false a false economy <laughs> um because that's that way you're gonna gonna you know if you're putting too many quality sessions together or you're just running too much and you're not recovering properly that's the way you're gonna get re-injured uh, re <laughs> yeah. uh or just feel burnt out and and overtrained mm. so um yeah i mean I, I think you've just got to be sensible and i mean the old the old hoary cliche of listening to your body, mm. um, you know, not trying to force it for sure. Um, I think people also do make the mistake, like particularly if you're training through winter for a marathon and you know all the bugs and stuff around. Is it say you miss, I don't know, five days or something because you've got some seasonal flu type bug, and I think people then think, oh, well, that's not an injury, obviously, so I can just smash it when I feel better because my legs are fine you know yeah, I haven't right. I haven't yeah. hurt myself in any way I just had to rest for that but it's exactly the same thing you're just going to end up injuring yourself because you're just going from <laughs> this sort of naught 100 naught 100 again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and of course your body is probably still recovering anyway from yeah. if, if you've been poorly enough to require five days off running then you're poorly enough to take it easy when you come back you know yeah and, and fitness doesn't go immediately does it I, no. think was, I, don't, I can't exactly what the timeline is but I think you can go for about two weeks with basically no, it's going to make no difference. Yeah, yeah I think it's yeah. two weeks, the, the the stuff on info and detraining, isn't it? Yeah. But also I think if you, I think there's the general rule of thumb, like if you're following a training program, um, if you miss a less than or up to a week, you can just, with the proviso you should listen to your body, that you can just sort of pick up where you would have been. So you can skip yeah, that training, yeah. but pick up. If it's two weeks, you should go back a week. So... Like don't don't go two weeks ahead. Go one week maybe, yeah. and and if it's more than that, then you should go significantly back because if it's three weeks, you are going to have detrained a little bit. Yeah. Um, plus, you know, you just kind of going to your legs going to feel it. The mus the muscles aren't going to be quite yeah, used right. to it as yeah. much. So then you have to you just at that point have to recalibrate realistically what your expectations are. Yeah, I think so. This is the Runners World podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, look, one to the race now. Number six, the classic, <laughs> going out too fast. Going out too fast. We've all done that, haven't we? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard not you know, to go. Statistically, it's men who do this. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Kate. It's just, it's exciting, isn't it? When you kind of first few miles of a marathon, you feel, you should hopefully be feeling good yeah. if you've kind of trusted oh, the paper. I felt great. Well, I should hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mile two of a marathon. It's all, yeah. yeah, it's always a kind of um, <laughs> lament on Twitter. It's like, oh, I was, I was on pace until 18 miles. And it's like, that doesn't... <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. just bad, bad yeah, pace. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that wasn't your pace yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, going out too fast. So, uh, Andy, you must have gone out too fast at some point. Do you know, I don't, I, I think I was quite... You're quite good. In my marathon running career, I think I've been quite disciplined because I've yeah. always had a, a, a pace plan. Yeah. You know, this is what I want to be hitting mile one in. And I've, I've, I've been quite disciplined with that, but... I, uh, you know, for sure, I, I think of all of the mistakes we're going through today, I think this would be, this would be the most common. Um, you know, because it's for all the things you've mentioned, it's the start of the race. You feel super rested and you're excited. You know, it feels great, yeah. And you just want to, you feel, you feel like you should be making hay while the sun shines. Yes. So like, yeah, yeah, hey, if yeah. I, yeah. I could take. Bank what some if, time. Yeah, what if I run idea, 30 yeah. seconds per mile faster? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be ahead of my pace. And, and you don't realize that, that, you know, especially if it's your first marathon, you don't realize that that's just, it's a ticking time bomb for the last few miles of, yeah. of kind of over, overreaching. And it, it seems like a, the end seems like quite a, a distance away. You're not really thinking that far ahead at that yeah. stage, yeah. but really you should be. Um, but I always got around it by just having my mile splits on a pace band on my wrist. And, and was very disciplined about, you know, 10, 10, 10 or 15 seconds, not a big problem, but 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, that's clearly that's yeah. too, too that's fast. Too, that's yeah. too it's much, always yeah. taught so much about how important it is to run on feel. And it is massively important to run on feel. But the probable exception to that is like the first, I don't know, five miles of a marathon. Don't run on feel. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> run on pace um, and like check you are actually running at the pace that you, yeah, because it will feel easy. Yeah, of course. I yeah, mean, yeah. some of them, like, you know, you've got London Marathon, you've got the sort of Shooter's Hill where you're going downhill at mile three, three. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yes, sure, you can run that mile 
10, 15 seconds faster and that's fine. That's yeah, not yeah. going to do any serious damage. But even a little more more than that, even downhill, it's still, it's the impact. It's still yeah, like yeah, exactly. hitting the ground, you know. Um, uh, another study on this found that running the first five kilometre segment of your marathon 10% faster than race pace adds about 37 minutes to the average finish time. Wow. Starting False 10% economy. slower adds about 29 minutes. So you don't want to start too slow either. And most PBs came from, uh, from running your first 5K at goal race pace. I think the other way to avoid going off too fast, is, uh, which is definitely I'm pioneering, is just get older. <laughs> 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 I wish I could go off too fast. <laughs> yeah. Look, we, you almost touched on this one, Andy, um, about uh, mile splits on your wrist, but I think it's one that Kate um, suggested, trusting your GPS rather than the mile markers. That's a mistake. Yeah. Can you explain why? Well, because a course is not measured according to GPS. A course is measured by, you know, professionals who, I mean, you know, have... On the modern, wheel. Well, usually they have a bike wheel, essentially, yeah. not, not the one that you have to push. That would be cruel to make somebody <laughs> 26 miles. Could you do that again? Yeah. Just check again. You start you off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's it, they are very accurately measured. Of course, there are always these stories that come up when there's occasional... Yeah, yeah. But or even those, the, 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 when there's a, a race that turns out to be short, it's usually because somebody didn't follow the plan. Not because the plan was wrong. Okay. Like somebody, a marshal may have inadvertently moved a, a cone at a turning point oh, or something okay. like that. It's yeah. not that the race was measured wrong. It's just, you know, yeah. implementation. Um, but yeah, so so it's not, It's you, you shouldn't trust your GPS, particularly in city races, because it will go haywire. You know, if you've, if you've run London Marathon, you'll know, you know, you, you could get anywhere from sort of 24 to 28 miles on your GPS. Canary Wharf it goes completely haywire. Yeah. When you go under Blackfriars Tunnel towards the end, you're obviously, well, you're in a tunnel. Of course, you're not going to have GPS signal. So all these things are going to completely get your watch pace out of whack. Mm. So that's why you have to, you know, look at the mile markers, the if, if you prefer kilometres, kilometre markers, depending on where you are, and look at your watch. And then that's what you run to. Yeah. yeah Ignore yeah. the rest. Turn off. I, like, I mean, I would say to people, turn off auto lap. Well, you know, Garmin's, I think they default, don't they, to kind of auto lapping after a mile yeah. Yeah, yeah. that is not helpful in a in, yeah, yeah. in any race yeah, really yeah because yeah. your garmin will, will, will be clicking off the miles before you get to the mile mark yes in the race and yeah it's a like, yeah. yeah and of course the other on. thing is you probably will run slightly more than 26.2 because yeah. there's like thirty thousand people trying to run the same course you can't all run the the, yeah, the blue line you know in london like i think to run under three in london you probably have to run 645 minute mile and not 652 do you mean it's almost yeah. like so it's, it's actually quite an adjustment for people to be like you actually have to run a little bit further than yeah than you than you might want to. I remember um, way back we, we did a feature on uh, the Q Jones who won the London Marathon yeah. um, in the eighties I think and then became a, the course the official course me measurer and the, he he used to cycle the course with I think coincidentally the the, the machine is called the Johns machine or Johns right. wheel yeah. Um, so he has to cycle the course and it clicks round so it's very accurately yeah. measured. Um, and I remember speaking to him f for this feature, and I was a bit a bit more of a novice then. And I was like, "Well, can't you just can't you just drive around the course and, and use a GPS?" And he just like laughed in my face, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then went, "Oh dear." Um, and then it went on to explain in great detail how GPS is basically an estimation. It's yeah. not actually that accurate, yeah. it, you know, especially around tall buildings and shade and cover. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's what to reinforce the point that GPS. Just think GPS is is yeah. an estimate distance. It's not the distance. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I think if you're, I mean, one, I, I think one tip again. I think this comes uh, from Tom Craggs, <laughs> um, is uh, 
if like obviously if you're going to look have to keep looking for the mile markers and you're, you that's almost quite stressful yeah because right. it's something you're kind of worrying about and then you've you know you've got a race band with 26 numbers and it's quite I had to look, my yeah. eyesight's not good yeah. enough yeah. so what um i did for a couple of races was do 5k splits mm-hmm. and if I, even if the race is measured in miles there's pretty much always you know the 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 timing chips that you run over the big archways overhead are usually yeah. 5 10 15 20 etc so yeah. they're very hard to miss yeah so at that point, you can check in, okay, 5K, yep, I'm on pace or, you know, mm. near enough. And then it t- it's a little bit less stressful yeah, than kind of obsessing that. over every mile yeah, marker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, number eight, this is good as well. Trying something new on race day. <laughs> mm. I, once, I once ran London Marathon in a pair of shoes I'd only run once in. It was an expo purchase. And I was, <laughs> oh I, was in, I, was, I was working and running at this point. <laughs> wow. So like you're telling people, and I was like, I'm making the mistake that I've been telling people not to do for years. <laughs> I think I, I can't remember exactly how this happened, but anyway, I ran really badly. I it wasn't really the shoes' fault, but it was such a stress because I was like, after about five miles in these shoes, this is like I've got no idea what they're going to be like on my feet. So I've got sympathy for people who try something new on race day, but it is a really bad idea yeah. to confirm. Yes, everything. Nothing. Nothing should be. You should have tested everything. Yeah. 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 Your kit. Bref- your breakfast. Breakfast. Your 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 clothes. Your sunglasses. Your you know absolutely everything even like how you're going to carry if you're going to carry like eight gels go for a run with your eight gels even if it's 5k or or around the block because if you've you've got one of those belts that you put gels in but you've never actually tried running with that many and then you and then as soon as you do it the the, the belt's gone everywhere and there's gels flying (laughs) and yeah so just sort of practice all of that yeah i think that's yeah that's true it's not just shoes it's not just it's not just kit it's food all that stuff um Number nine, underfueling, easy to do. We've got Rina McGregor, who writes a nutrition column for Run as well. She says, aim for 30 to 60 grams of carbs per hour for the first three hours of your marathon and increase that to 60 to 90 per hour after that. And you can get them that carbohydrates from sports drinks, jelly babies, gels, real food, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think that sounds about right. 30 to 60, that's kind of two to three gels an hour. Yeah. yeah. I think that's about Which right. Is- which is quite a lot mm. as, as kate says you to do it properly you probably will be starting a marathon with <laughs> a rucksack <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah yeah so i think it's something people tend to 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 underestimate mm. how much yeah. carbs you need yeah um, i mean i guess that's the ideal isn't it like for, for optimum sort of performance but the trouble is of course most of it you know it, it does things do happen on race day and yeah, you can have practiced it all you like, but you, the, actually tolerating that amount of gel when you're thrown in the yeah. adrenaline and the stress and everything, it is, it is hard. So I think, you know, if you don't think you can handle that, yeah, then it's probably still better to do two thirds of that or whatever. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, remember Steve Way, who was kind of like, the, he was like an ev- the everyman who became like a kind of great yeah, runner. Yeah, he used to be a 40-day smoker and got to the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And yeah. he, his um, fueling, uh, fueling strategy, which was gel-based, which was like that, he said, I, I know that I can't in the second half of a marathon take in any gels at all, so I just have three or four in the first half because yeah. I know I can take them in until then and then I have nothing. And yeah. I just hope that's going to be all right. And that's mm. what kind of I mean, if, it, if, you, if you have to do that because that's the only thing that works for you, then that's what yeah, you yeah. have to do. You have to work with what you can tolerate, don't you? Yeah, and I guess if, like doing it in training is how you work that out. Yeah. So. Um, I have done, once run a marathon with no gels. Wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. Um, to, you should, we should also add to that under hydrating. Mm. Yes. Because um, I think it's... And I'm certainly guilty of not just, just not drinking enough water during a race. You know, I'll pick up a bottle at... Uh, Sometimes I might miss a table 
um, because it's too crowded yeah. or I just didn't see it in time. Have you got the technique? Um, I've got. I've definitely got a good paper cup <laughs> technique going on. Um, but I think it's and because you're running fast and you know, ideally running fast, I think you you just overlook it. Yeah. And yeah. particularly, um, I think in the first half, you're probably not, because yeah. you're not starting and, to feel And especially thirsty. if it's cold as well, I think you yeah. think about, you always think about it, oh, I'm gonna, I've got to stay hydrated if it's hot or warm. But if it's cold, you're still getting dehydrated. It's just yeah. not, not as obvious. So yeah. much as, as obvious. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I think, yeah, like I think a little bit often is probably the best strategy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, think that you don't want to be kind of guzzling down a, I mean, they only serve it in, in 250 milliliter bottles, don't they? So it's yeah. hard to kind of overdo it, really. But yeah, definitely yeah. pick up something at every every opportunity. Yes, if it's yeah. Every and just have a few and just have a few mouths or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Although I think it's more because uh, it's more dangerous to overhydrate, isn't it, than to underhydrate? Underhydration, generally speaking, is going to compromise your performance, but probably not risk your health. Whereas like over what's it um uh, hyper, hyperatremia that's the one yeah i mean that's really dangerous yeah. obviously that's pretty extreme but yeah. in hot conditions people do really really perhaps over worry about liters and liters of water yeah i think particularly before the rest you don't want to be kind of quaffing no. a two liter bottle in, in one, oh god no it's you know an hour before <laughs> yeah. the oh, god, still, yeah, still in the luke you when yeah, 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 starting yeah. <laughs> all right number 10 cling into a time goal even if training has gone worse than expected <laughs> I think that's, I think I've done that. When you sort of set your hopes on like a, a, a kind of watermark time yeah. and maybe you lie to yourself that actually you can still do it. Pull it out of the bag on race day, even though tr- your training suggested otherwise. Yeah, I would say that when we were, at, you know, we've had a runner's world stall at Expo when we were running the pace, the pacing program. Yes, yeah. And I would say the most common inquiry that we had from people coming up who, who obviously had race places uh, they would say, well, I put, when I was asked for my estimated time, yeah. it was four hours. So yeah. Training went all right, but um, I had a holiday and then I got injured. Do you think it's still realistic to start in the four-hour pen and go for that? And I would always say, probably probably not. You know, you need to... And that's quite a difficult skill is to, to know, knowing when to recalibrate your, your goal yeah, yeah, and yeah. also how much to recalibrate it for. Yeah, and yeah. You probably wouldn't be able to do it the first time you run a marathon because you, yeah. you need the experience, don't you? To know you? what it's going to feel like. Um, in the, but I yeah. think just thinking that once you start off with a goal and training's gone all right, but not brilliantly, yeah. to think that you can still have a go at it and the marathon will find you out, won't it? Yeah. It's not, there's not a lot of places to hide in 26 yeah, yeah, miles. Yeah. <laughs> It'd also be a stress, wouldn't it? If you were kind of too high up and most people presumably are running that pace and you're, and you're struggling early on, I think it's... It's demoralising. It's demoralising and it's if a very long like day. everybody's going past you, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So I wanted to do um, three sort of more curveball ones here, just as like little, little bonus ones here. <laughs> so um, I'll start with I'll start with one. I'll start with one. And we, we've talked about going off too fast, but I think there there is a shout in a marathon for, I think it's called the um, the positive fade. So this this is going ever so slightly faster in the first half. So like say in a marathon, you might put a minute to ninety seconds in the bag, yeah, just with the idea that actually you may fade a little bit in the second half, but it's a kind of controlled fade. Yeah, it's a controlled fade um, as opposed to just blowing up. And I think actually stats would support that that. Is the is the way to run your best marathon is probably going to be an ever so slight positive split. So not just about even pacing. 
that's probably and even though that's a slight fade in pace it's probably still a a, a neg like that you're still putting more and more effort in for sure the second yeah. half is still even if it's 90 seconds slower probably way more work than yes. the first half yeah 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 so yeah if you're thinking about effort wise yeah just think giving yourself something to kind of defend in, in the in the latter part when you're like I'm, i've still got a few like you know when you started to, started to walk and i i walked in my best marathon as well and i thought but i've still got a minute here you know yeah like, I, like if it was if I was right on the line, I'd be like, now I need to go and catch up time. Whereas actually, I was like, <laughs> I've done it unless I way. throw in the towel here, I'm actually going to do it. It's just not going to be yeah. very elegant and pretty, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I there's agree. something different. A hundred percent. that's I mean, that's how I did my sub three. I went through halfway in one twenty eight thirty. So I yeah. had a one and a half minute. I think maybe two minute kind of bank. Yeah. And that's what I ate into when I was stopping in the second half. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I absolutely wouldn't have done it if I hadn't gone through halfway. Yeah, slightly up on. I think the same. Pace. Actually, I did the same. I didn't. I didn't stop, but I definitely slowed, and then realised that the yeah. Well, that's why my five k strategy, like looking at your splits, every five k slightly fell down when I got to thirty five k, no forty k, and realised I was down two oh, k <laughs> okay. to make yeah. it up. <laughs> so yeah, play for doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kate, what's your slightly more surprising tip? Uh, mine's very, very uh, generalist. Everybody okay. will need to know this. If you are running in fancy dress and you're di- <laughs> running in a giant panda costume, uh, think about where you're going to put your gels because panda costumes don't come with pockets. That, that is good though, because <laughs> obviously there's a huge fancy dress element to these races. So maybe yes. you didn't to think about, you know, breathability. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Next time you need to do it as a kangaroo because then you'll have a pouch. True. Oh, gels. that's perfect. True. Yeah. yeah. And also like... You'd have to hop as well though. My cadence way. would be terrible though because <laughs> it would be like three per mile. <laughs> Super shoes would help, though, I think. Yeah, little, yeah that little spring. boingy spring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. perfect. Um, I'm surprised one of them isn't called the kangaroo, actually. Ni- the Nike kangaroo, watch, watch the space. Watch the space. <laughs> Andy, what's yours? Uh, well, we mentioned not doing anything new uh, on race day. Mine's just about not going mad at Expo, yeah. particularly the day before. Um, not you know, I'll just walk around every stall, and I'll you know, I'll get well, what's that over there? Eat all the freebies. Um, eat all the freebies. <laughs> uh, and also, if you're doing like a foreign race in New York, say, oh, let's just pop down and see a few sites, and suddenly you're getting in at six o'clock, and you've been on your feet for <laughs> yeah. ten hours. The, yeah, like the day Forty thousand steps. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just um, yeah, just veg out the day before. I mean, obviously, do a shakeout run in the morning if you want to, but. The rest of the day should be yeah. at leisure. Yeah, and if you oh, if you're with some like obviously it's if you're going like all the way to New York, say it's expensive, and maybe you've got your other half or whatever with you. Try and think of like ways that you can do something that involves sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> so like bus tours, yeah. um, Chicago. That my tip that I always everybody everyone says this but you go to Chicago and Marathon the day before the, the, there's a boat tour an architecture boat tour which is amazing yeah. and you're just sitting there watching lovely things go past and you don't have to move that's <laughs> ideal so yeah that's perfect yeah. Um, I'd be interested to know what listeners have got to say I'm sure they've got their own mistakes they've made so if, if you've got any suggestions it's podcast at runnersworld.co.uk that brings to the end of this week's Runners World podcast big thanks to Andy and Kate for joining us and to you of course for listening goodbye Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.